Hello and welcome to Guy Perryman Interviews. Our travel companion today is churches, all three members, Lauren Mabry, Ian Cook and Martin Doherty, who were in Japan for live shows, bringing their Glaswegian-infused electro-pop, not to mention their sense of humour, to warm up a chilly Tokyo. The interview took place at Universal Music Japan head office in Harajuku, Tokyo in January 2023 and was first broadcast across Japan on my Inter-FM radio show. Enjoy the journey. It is wonderful to welcome on board, back on board in fact, all three members of churches. Hello. Hello. Lovely to see all three of you again. Thank you so much for your time today. A bit chilly here in Japan, January but you've just come from Australia. Summer music festivals, how was your trip down under? Yeah, nothing is ever more bizarre to me than when you, having grown up in the UK and uh, associating winter with November, December and January, <laughs> is to go down in the middle of January and play some festivals in the dead of summer in Australia. It's a really fun change of pace, but mm. I'm a... I was glad to arrive here this yeah. morning. I felt way more at home. <laughs> the cold air. Yeah. Well, you certainly got the cold air today. Yeah. So yeah. We got Christmas at home and then we had to hustle. Yeah, we got here this morning. So if we're a little bleary-eyed, that's why. So you only arrived today? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my so goodness. We had a few well. hours to ramble around and explore a bit, and now, yeah. now we're here. So. Yeah. Well, I promise I won't keep you too long. So, Well, it's a brand new year. What are you looking forward to in 2023? I'm really looking forward to Brazil. We mentioned that before, but we've never been, uh, we've never played any shows in South America before. So, this will be a whole new world for us. Really excited about it. Mm -hmm. New new cuisine, new people, new sights, you know. Yes, and I feel like opening for a band like Coldplay is it's a big undertaking so yes but also probably a great uh, introduction to a place we've never been before mm-hmm. and playing those size of shows I think they're probably quite good to watch for tips <laughs> I'll be making some notes I'll be like Chris Martin seems to know what he's doing I'm going to write this down I wonder how it'll feel being a support act for want of a better word when you know the crowd are going to be there for Coldplay but obviously they want to have a good time so you'll obviously no doubt make a whole bunch of new fans too I hope so yeah I feel like that's always a thing that happens at like certain shared bills or so, some festivals I feel like when you play those you're working harder to get people on side or you're not playing to an audience that already gets the in-jokes and the references and things mm. like that so I think it's good to push yourself and stretch stretch those muscles every so often so Yes, no pressure. You also get like finished really early every night. Yes, true. Like You're a, done by like half past seven. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like you have the, you play for like forty five minutes and you, off to like a nice restaurant or something. <laughs> like I don't Imagine, know. Like I think the cold play sets are very long. They play yeah. quite a long time. So really, I'm like, our work day will be done so early. We'll all be tucked up in bed by nine. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. yeah. Very rock and roll. And I wonder how the audiences will be. So you haven't been to Brazil before, mm-hmm. but I would imagine they're quite bonkers audience. It'll probably be a lot of fun. For years, I feel like every time we post anything on the internet, somebody asks us to go to, to Brazil. Brazil. Oh. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah, times. we have been trying. So, yeah, so it's, this is a nice way to finally do that. I remember when I interviewed you back in 2017, you said that you often get asked advice for other bands. Mm. And one thing you said which stood out in my mind was because you started out more as a studio group before you started performing live, you said, wait until you're 100% right to get out on the road. Mm. And I wonder if that sentiment is the same today all these years later. Mm. Would you give that same advice to young or new bands today? Yes, 
but with a caveat, oh. and that's <laughs> that I genuinely don't know the first thing about getting a project off the ground now. <laughs> the paradigm has shifted so much that it seems how to break a new act, it seems like it's never been harder and it's never been more difficult to understand exactly why it happens or why something lasts longer than like an instant in time or like a TikTok moment, which most things seem to just last and then die. So I would say thank you. I'm flattered that you would ask my advice on this, <laughs> but uh, I wish you the best. <laughs> Good luck. I have no idea. <laughs> well, we live in such a visual world today. Of course, you mentioned social media. Yeah. Do you think about visuals when you think of the music or are they two totally separate things in your world? I think a bit more so on the last record, on Screen Violence. I think we did a bit while we were making it. Like We started thinking about that stuff earlier than we normally do, maybe because it was so thematically specific mm-hmm. um, as a record and I think for me especially in terms of like planning the, what the performance was going to be like it was fun to start sowing those seeds earlier on and yeah I think it helps me with like the world building it helps think about okay well you can build the imagery and the lyrics but how can you build the imagery and the aesthetic and then see that through and I feel proud of this record because I think it's the most cohesive thing we have aesthetically and thematically everything feels like it fits together and I don't know if that's necessarily been the case in other things but you know there's a beauty in the chaos of some of the other <laughs> stuff but I think this this album was like yes I think everything looked like it felt like what we wanted it to and that's not always been the case. And speaking of a look Robert Smith of course who has the look yes. what was it like working with him? We were talking about this earlier like sharing the stage with him particularly in Brixton Academy in London and just hearing the, the crowd respond to him stepping onto stage is, is like nothing we've ever heard before. That sound, I think it really took him aback as well because he hadn't, you know, obviously because of COVID, hadn't really been doing any shows for quite some time. Mm. And I guess, yeah, him stepping on stage with us and hearing that sound again must have taken him by surprise. But, you know, he was a fantastic, uh, warm human being to work mm. with. Very gracious and likes a wee late night party as well. <laughs> I think one of my all-time favourite shows was The Cure at Footy Rock Festival just a few years ago and they did the same set they did at Glastonbury and I mean, when you watch them and listen to them they sound exactly like the records, nothing has changed over the years and that's amazing. It still hits all the high notes and doesn't, yeah. you know, because a lot of sort of older rock stars, for want of a better word, they have to like shift the keys down or like <laughs> slightly adapt the melodies and but no, he's still hitting all the, all the right notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andy Park he's like a wonderful mad bastard it's not like he's at home with the vocal steamer making taking incredible care of his voice and going to bed at like 6pm but uh, yeah he's been so kind to us and so nice and it's just a very surreal hearing Robert Smith's voice in ear monitors that's very weird very weird I don't know if we'll ever get over that to get nervous? Yes, yes. Because we've been playing How Not to Drown without him in the other shows. I was really worried about what if I accidentally sing over him or like what if I sing the wrong bit and we're trying to harmonise and I want to do what he wants me to do but he's been very nice and been like, I'll do whatever you like. I'm like, ah, what I like is what you like. I don't know. <laughs> and then we had to play, we played Just Like Heaven. He was very generous and let us do that but then that's a worry as well isn't it because people really enjoy that song turns out uh-huh. and you don't want to mess it up while he's standing right there and it's one of those things that you're like I know this song back to front inside out mm. until Robert Smith is standing there and then you're like I don't know anything I don't I can't do this but it was all fine and it was good fun I remember practicing that song on the bass till literally my hands were like blistering <laughs> and it's four notes on the bass 
and I know how to play those four notes. I've known how to play the song since I was 17. But for whatever reason, I just had this like obsessive need to practice and practice. I was so obsessed with the idea of not making a mistake when you've had this once in a lifetime chance to be in the cure for like a song. <laughs> and I remember we were rehearsing, we were all like killing it. And uh, Robert was singing and he turns around for like an instrumental moment and gave me like the biggest smile. <laughs> like the most out of character thing for Robert Smith you would ever expect and I just instantly went boom <laughs> like <laughs> made a terrible rock note I was like <laughs> luckily that was in rehearsal there was two, only two performances and it was okay on the they night they were both very good yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. speaking of making great music and, and people who know how to party you're from Glasgow which is one city that knows to do both yeah. why do you think there's so much brilliant music in and out of Glasgow. I say, why is there so much alcoholism in Glasgow? We already know the answer to that. (laughs) Um, I got quite grumpy at somebody recently because they were being quite rude about Glasgow. It was a Scottish person who spent a lot of time in London and Los Angeles and they were specifically talking Glasgow and I was like, I don't like you, (laughs) sir. Because they were like, yeah, it's just a bit dirty and sad as a place and I was like hey no that's not very nice and then afterwards I was like well I suppose it. there is there is a grit to it and it's a very industrial place but I also think that like some of the nicest and funniest people and we've been lucky to travel a lot of places and I'm like there's not really a, a sense of humour and a sense of levity like there is in Scotland I don't think and I don't know we always talk about how it punches above its weight massively in terms of like creative output there is such a storytelling lineage in Scotland and I think some of my favourite lyricists are in Scottish bands, you know, whether it's like Paul Buchanan or Idlewild. There's a lot of really interesting storytellers from there and I wonder if that's like a Celtic folk Hmm. heritage or something. Yeah, versus the, uh, like, but enhanced by, through that kind of working class kind of lens, like, you know, the ship, like Billy Connolly and the shipbuilding tradition in the pubs and what else are you going to do when you don't really have much is tell stories and make art. Yeah. Let's see the same thing happened in Manchester when there's poverty. Out of poverty usually comes like some sort of relevant art. Mm. And Glasgow has always kind of had that vein running through it. Mm-hmm. Also has a really amazing electronic scene for a long, long time that went under the radar, you know. Glasgow is full of culture. We're lucky to grow up exposed to so much of that culture. Then watching when getting to like early 20s or whatever, 18, whatever, and then seeing things like Franz going global. And those are the guys that were drinking, they were still drinking the same bar that you go to or whatever. That made it the idea of becoming globally successful seem a lot more normal. Mm-hmm. And then when you think back to all the bands that had done it before them from Glasgow, you think mm-hmm. it gives you a lot of uh, confidence. I mean, there's five million people in Scotland. All together, <laughs> there shouldn't be that many it's successful true. bands. <laughs> it's mad that, like, even I guess maybe it's different if you grow up somewhere like London or New York mm-hmm. or when mm-hmm. the people are there's lots of bands that are making it and it's where the industry is, but you just it wasn't really a thing where we were coming from. But then I would see, like, remember being up late and seeing Idlewild on MTV too mm-hmm. and being like, wow, and you see that you're like, I see them at Central Station or like do you see the guys from Biffy Clyro at the rehearsal space and stuff like that and that just felt so bizarre <laughs> so bizarre but then not that it made it feel accessible but a little bit mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that it seems not as impossible yeah. a dream as it most as it kind of should yeah. for <laughs> all of us so. mm-hmm. you might have tipped on this and I always speak with people about the power of music too getting us all through tough times mm-hmm. you do what I can't do you make music being the soundtrack to our lives but for the three of you apart from making music 
Do you turn to music in your difficult moments and have done in your lives? Music especially, but any kind of art. I had a little cry over my book in the restaurant at lunchtime because I was like, oh, that's very... That gets me in my feelings. But I think, I don't know, like when I think about it, I'm like, what is it that made me weepy in that moment? It was like having somebody articulate something that I have felt but not been able to articulate in that way. And for me, that's always in writing or dialogue in a film or especially in songs. And yeah, it's a bit bonkers to think that people can find that in stuff that we make in a room. That's very weird. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that I have done both in my lifetime, you know, tried to create as a means of therapy and have always listened or absorbed culture as a means of therapy or even as a means of just like reconciling with the fact that one day I will die. That some that is which is basically what all art is about to me, like the best art, uh, uh, or maybe I just seek that. That's <laughs> a bigger question about like what I'm, what kind of journey I'm on, but it could be the dumbest TV show or the thickest book or the shortest song. It's all important to me. It's like yes, it's about managing your emotions and taking all that stuff in and seeking comfort in it. But the end, it all goes into channeling. If you're a creator, it's all about channeling as much of that stuff as you can for me into the next piece of work that you make. So there's always been this duality. Speaking of reflecting, makes me think about church. So I had to make some question related to your name, but I was thinking of my church's nature in, here in Japan, onsen, hot springs in the mountains, getting your gear off in cold weather, getting into hot water. Hell yeah. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, where do you go to? Reflect. I don't know if it's because we're from an island, but I always find similar to what you say, like water is mm. always the thing, whether it's like the sea or even if it's a man-made piece of water, still works. Probably because I grew up in a really rural area, I find it quite centering and like grounding or something. And going on trains, I think whenever I've got like, uh, can't think of an idea for a writing thing, going on a train, maybe it's a kind of like consistent rhythm and a kind of white noise thing and now we're all into our meditation apps with our white noise and all this oh yeah that's what that is that was like the SP SPT version of, of that so you need to get a train to water somewhere basically yes yeah. take me on a train to the seaside and just leave me there and come back later I'll be fine I think anything that I similarly like to go to the water or I have this like one little spot in the mountains that I go to near my house all the time Anything that brings a sense of scale to the problem or like whatever you're trying to manage, I find helpful. The ocean, for example, you go, all right, okay, yeah, maybe it's not that big a deal. <laughs> that's to me helpful. And it's usually going on under the surface. But I think that's why I gravitate towards that sort of thing. Speaking of going on a journey, welcome back to Japan. You've been here a number of times, but is there something about Japan you absolutely love that maybe the rest of the world don't know about you'd like to introduce to people? Yes. And I just thought about it today. And in Japan, on the pavement, and you're waiting to cross the road at a red light, there's a counter that tells you exactly how much longer you have to wait before you can go green and you get to walk. Whereas in every other country that I've been to, it's just like you're endlessly waiting at red. Like, it could be five, could be five seconds or five minutes. In Japan, you know exactly when you're going to go. Enough, there's enough uncertainty. We would just like to know <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll be able to cross. It's an excellent like. system. People <laughs> okay. are way less impatient and much less likely to just run across the road, which yeah. I am prone to doing. There's no jaywalking in Japan. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Okay, we're, we're going to go on a journey now. A bit like Desert Island Discs. You can have a passport, credit card, and your mobile device. If you were going to go off, what's something you must have with you? Probably my Nintendo Switch. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
because so many games on there that uh, that would keep me occupied for many many as long as there was something to charge to charge the device I would be fine okay definitely headphones like some sort of headphones without that I'd probably be Although if I didn't have something to listen to, we can plug it into your mobile device. I got my phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, then I'll definitely take the headphones. There you go. Is it an emergency situation? Not or really. Because no. <laughs> okay. I'd be like, you know, our loved ones, our pets, whatever. So that, they're going with you. They're anyway, going anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they're not going to enjoy that. Um, um, I don't know. Maybe uh, probably like a, no- a notebook because that can be multiple things. Oh. You can make little crosswords. Do you write? Uh, on paper or how do you write I do I'll make notes of things if I'm walking around I'll make a note in my phone but then I always like to put it into a notebook and I was talking to a friend about it recently who um, writes like film and TV and stuff like that and she said that she always the act of physically writing something out and having it to look back on uh, helps her kind of map out ideas and uh-huh. um, I was like oh good because I don't know part of me thought it was just like a typey archiving thing that I wanted to have it all have it all which is nice to be able to look back through some stuff and be like that was good that was nonsense <laughs> but I do think there is some, there's something to the physicality of uh-huh. putting the pen to paper and stuff mm-hmm. I think yeah and I like to I'm sure it's really annoying in the studio but when even if it's roughly written out I'd like to properly write out the, the lyrics before I record them in so that I have the final thing written and I think maybe there's a romance to it I don't know but also they say if you write things physically number one you remember them more and possibly makes things come true yeah I suppose in terms of what you're saying about like the way to approach nature and the outdoors and things and I don't know I think it's nice to show a reverence to the thing that you're doing there's definitely some things I've written on my desk can stay in the phone <laughs> but it is kind of like an editing thing where I'm like if I look, like I'll just splurge it into the phone note, and then when I come to write it down, sometimes I'll be like, well, "We're definitely half asleep, or not compass mentis when you wrote this." And then the things that you put in the notebook are the things that will stick around. And when it comes to write a song, then we look through the pile of stuff in the notebook. That's so much better. It's like there's nothing worse than a session. Everyone's sitting on their phone, and they're all trying to write the song, like with their head in their phone. Doesn't Un-romantic, have the same magic to it, does it? Very un artful, mm. very just job like. It's I mean, nice to be able to look back through, maybe I think from the second album onwards I have it, I don't have a lot from the first album because we did most of that in the spreadsheets but the second album, it's nice to be able to look back through those notebooks and see where the origin of the idea came from and then mm. see all the versions of it that weren't that and then oh, the writing that thing is what got you that thing which made mm. the final works. Oh. So it's quite nice, I'm just getting all nostalgic but it's nice <laughs> to be able to see those things and I don't know, it's like showing your work mm. in maths oh. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And finally, on your journey, you can have a travel companion from history or from today. Who would you love to sit down with and have a conversation with? I always answer David Bowie because you know, oh. I'm obsessed. But um, yeah, I think he would be. He would, he's a very, very well-read. He was a very well-read man and uh, soaked culture up. And I think his conversation would be. And he's a great sense of humour too. Mm. Can you bring someone from the past to now? Yes. Oh, Albert Einstein. Oh wow! For oh. sure. Okay. Like, I'd just ask him what he thought about physics now. <laughs> Quantum theory, relativity, all that. Do you still believe all the things that you said oh. all that time ago? Or does, has this new world, like, changed the way that you see oh. it? For Very sure. interesting. Mm. I wonder what he'd think of space travel and everything today. So he'd probably solve it. 
Yeah. Maybe just because it's, it's fresh in my mind because I was just listening to a podcast on the way here with her on it. But uh, Sharon Horgan, that actor, writer, director, she's in Bad Sisters. She wrote oh. Catastrophe, oh. Pulling, things like that. And she's just so, it seems like a really wonderful, funny Irish lady. <laughs> and she seems like she's just a good laugh and she could get into the existential stuff and put the pints away and that's... <laughs> you know, if we're You're from going, Glasgow. If we're going travelling, I'm going to want to have the existential musings, but also have somebody to go have a nice dinner with. And I think Sharon, she's my fantasy dinner party guest. I'd say. Imagine when David Bowie and Albert Einstein crashed the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, but I think that like Sharon seems like Great the kind battle. of lady that would like, uh, hit the ground night. running with that yeah, and be night. like, Al, good to see you. <laughs> Can I join too? <laughs> well, I've had a lovely, lovely conversation with the three of you today. Thank you so much to all three members of churches. Thanks a million. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so for much. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today. For more interviews and information, please go to guyperryman.com. <laughs> <laughs>